great Mark Schofield of USA Today and Touchdown Wire, our quarterback guru here on Pat's Interference, first-time guest. Mark, I feel like I've seen you twice. Both of them might have been at the Combine, so it's one of these like old college friends who are drinking. Things are generally positive. I had the same vibe with Danny Kelly, but I'm ecstatic to talk to you today, not just because we're going to get away for a second from the whole dredge of the offense, but we're going to go all in on quarterbacks and go all in with you. So how you been? I've been good, man. You're right. I mean, I feel like the last time we were handing out, it was high velocity late into the night, early into the morning, however you want to look at it. But uh, it's, it's good to see. It's good to catch up a little bit before the show. Excited to be here. Um, I'm glad we're going to talk mostly Mac and not the offense as a whole, because I mean, you're on the ground, but the reports I'm hearing a little shaky right now, man, a little shaky. Yeah, not great. And so you played quarterback at Wesley, as you were just telling me, you know, came right after Eric Mangini before Field Yates and this guy, Bill, Bill Belichick, Bill, something like that, something yeah. like that was before. So the, as you said, the Mount Rushmore of New England football minds, your expertise continues to be in quarterback um, as well as offense as a whole. You do a lot of scheme writing uh, with Doug Farrar at Touchdown Wire Resources. I've used constantly. We're going to cite one of those pieces actually here today with the piece. But I wanted to take uh, a trip back in time with you real quick because you knew Mac Jones before he was a Patriots quarterback. You knew the system that he stepped into last year um, on its own and how that functioned, obviously, with Tom Brady for almost 20 years. So what was what was the biggest discrepancy from the kid that you knew and you scouted in 2020? versus the player that we all saw last year. Basically, what kind of surprised you with Mac Jones? I think, interestingly, and this might be sort of the lead into the bigger picture right now, his athleticism. I mean, if you remember Mac Jones, the prospect, there were the general theory, the general point was he was the floor guy, right? Like, we've heard all this talk about floors and ceilings, and ceilings become almost a, a bad word in some Patriots fan circles because of how it was sort of attached to Mac Jones. But people in the pre-draft evaluation process, when they watched Mac, and I was in this group as well, thought, look, he's a very talented quarterback and pro-ready, all that good stuff. The way the league is trending with the need and the emphasis on athleticism and arm talent at the quarterback position with guys like, you know, Herbert and, you know, Mahomes and Josh Allen, was he going to have enough in those two areas to sort of establish himself as an upper tier NFL quarterback, somebody that you'd be willing to base your franchise around, hand the keys to the offense to, and all that stuff. I was a little bit worried about the athleticism. I thought it was going to be more of like, he's going to have to rely on, understand the protections, getting ahead of things with his mind and pocket footwork to sort of separate himself from protect from pressure in the pocket and sort of extend plays as needed in the NFL. But Andrew, he showed a little bit more athleticism last year than I think I expected. And I think other people expected. And that might be sort of one of the precursors, one of the foundational tenets of everything that we're talking about right now in and around this team, because with the transition to the potential new offense and, you know, the idea that we're going to move the quarterback around and things like that, perhaps they in the, in the building thought he's more athletic than we thought, mm -hmm. or maybe they expected this athleticism, you know, for the work that they did. And they thought at some point this was the direction they wanted to go with him. But that's really what sort of stood out to me that when you were watching him in Alabama, and it might've been just a microcosm and a, a factor of the fact that he was playing behind a good offensive line. He had tons of receiving talent to throw to. He didn't have to rely on athleticism as much. The ball was going to be out. Guys were going to be open. Devonta Smith is six yards open on every single snap. He didn't have to show that athleticism. But as a rookie, I saw more in that realm than I was expecting. Well, it's also because, Mark, what's the most famous picture of Mac Jones on the internet? 
it's him right. shirtless in the yeah. Tennessee locker. Victor yeah. Cigar I mean, you, know, you, you don't see it's it's very not to make the Brady comparisons, but it's like the Brady <laughs> combine photo, right, Andrew? Yeah. It's like that guy's not running around on anybody in the SEC, let alone NFL Sundays. Right, right. So like that guy surprising you with that kind of speed. But look, he ran a four seven two at the combine or his pro day. I mean, you know, I, we're recording this Monday night. My colleague Karen Garian dropped a piece where she talked to Dante Scarnecchi at length about Mac and the offense. And the reason I bring this up is because stuff we're going to get into in terms of the scheme fit. And he goes, look, does does Mac have a you know a different athletic profile than Matthew Stafford, who just of course won the Super Bowl with the Rams? And he says, no, just from a speed mobility standpoint, Stafford, Stafford ran a four, eight. We're not comparing them as quarterbacks or certainly arm strength, but that, that I agree, because when you look back at Max rookie season, I think everyone is a little bit surprised when he's scrambling for first downs in that, that playoff game against Buffalo yeah. or down here against Tennessee. You saw the accuracy he completes 67.6% of his passes, 3,800 yards, 22 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, like very solid rookie numbers, but the athleticism did kind of stand out. Um, is that also something, because again, as someone who grinds the tape, and knows quarterbacks that the public missed about him that you saw in film, maybe this off season that he wasn't getting credit for. Was there a close second there that not only just we missed, but is going to play a role here in year two. Yeah. I mean, I certainly think that's atop the list. I mean, I think that combined with the, you know, flashes that he showed of willingness to attack tighter window coverage moments showed that, look, that the arm talent, the athleticism, the pieces are there for him to have that sort of year two, next year, year three kind of leap that you hope to see from a young quarterback. But there's another area that I think is going to be critical to his development. And it comes with reps. It comes with experience. But there were plays last year. There were pressures. There were sacks last year where you could see him assume too much of what was going to happen in front of him, right? Mm -hmm. There were two sacks in particular, Andrew, that stand out on my mind against Atlanta. There was the first sack in that game. He gets sacked three times. He had no prayer. That's fine. But the other two, there were sort of some pre-snap indicators, whether it's a safety cap in a corner or an overload look or something, where you as a quarterback have to be wary of, okay, this is where pressure's coming from. Now, to be fair to Mac in those plays, they had guys in, they had the numbers to get those blocked up, and they had the protection slid in a way that should block those up. But the next step in his evolution is not just assuming that it's going to be blocked up, Having the time and the presence of mind and the ability to confirm it, at least with that glance, that half second look, whatever, and then still stay on time and in rhythm with the concept. Because what he was doing last year and in those two plays in particular was running the concept, not even looking, assuming it was blocked up, and then you're in sort of fight or flight mode. If he can get to a point, Andrew, where it's, yeah, I believe it's blocked up. I'm going to take a half second just to peek at it and make sure, oh, wait, no, something's happening. Now I got to get rid of it. Or wait, we're still blocked up. I'm good. Now I can get front side, get the ball out on time and rhythm. That's the next step in his evolution. And that's where I want to see him this year. It's like, okay, they show pressure off the edges. They show pressure from the second or third level. They bring blitzes and exotic scheme pressures after him. But he can still stay ahead of it with his mind. That's something he did really well at Alabama. There's a great in their semifinal game against Notre Dame early in that game. I think on their first or second drive. There's a cross stunt from the linebackers. He knows he can't get blocked up, so he bails the pocket immediately, makes a throw on the move. He has to get to that level here in the NFL. If he does that, he's going to be in good shape. I remember writing uh, late through last year just how they had the, – the way I, I put it was they kind of baby-proof the offense, right? Like they're going to major right. in a lot of safe stuff, and it's not because he doesn't know how to read the field or he doesn't have enough in the playbook. It's just we're going to do what you do well 
over and over again. And it was partly because when you started mentioning it, you mentioned the Falcons, like not a great defense, but, but a very good defensive mind and team piece. who will kind yep. of spin the dial on you, even a short week like they had. I remember week three against the saints was the first time I thought he really got confused. Like the dolphins could have done that. He was pretty good with the man pressures. there, just getting clobbered the jets in week two. We're going to run you. What, we're going to run what we show you. The Saints fooled him a little bit. As you saw him get towards the end of last season, even though, again, they were kind of baby-proofing things, was he at a level mentally where you felt like, you know, he's not a finished product, obviously, which is kind of what everyone likes to describe him as now. But did you see him getting fooled at the rate a top 10 to 15 quarterback would get fooled? Was he already kind of at that level or not yet? I mean, he was getting close to that level. He was getting close to the level where it's like, okay, he's he started to settle in. He started to sort of piece that together. And the Atlanta game was relatively early in the year, too. I mean, right. as you got into, say, Indianapolis, the second Buffalo game, you know, even Miami. I mean, the pick six against Miami, that was that was a trap coverage that Xavier Howard's a very good corner. Like, You know like what's funny? Been- I asked Bill about that. And even Mac. And he was like, yeah, it's just cover two. I should have known better. I'm like, tra- trap two, maybe? Because <laughs> it was... Yeah. 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 That's I, mean, how I read it too. He, 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 he played it pretty well. I mean, Xavier did, cause you know, he, he showed the sort of drop technique. Jones should have read it. Like he's, he's exactly right. Like he should have read that. Um, so, so that's one that you'd like to see him sort of figure out, but and it was yeah, on I one think, of those out routes. Like we talked about the amount of completions they had late in that year. That was one of the favorite, like, let's just get you yep. in a rhythm or third and one. And Miami was like, we know you're not going to run. Let's play cover two. Yeah. I mean, it was just out go flat. I mean, cover yeah. two is kind of, you know, cover two with that ability to sort of trap that out from the, the slot. I mean, that's kind of the adjustment that defenses have made for that route concept. And so, you know, they got him on that one. Um, but for the most part, he got better as the season went on. Like you said, look, Dennis Allen fooled Tom Brady a couple of times last year, too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Dennis Allen has a very good defensive approach and defensive game plan. So it wasn't really a surprise that he gave Mac Jones some fits in week three. When you saw what he did, it's, I think, week 12 and later against the Buccaneers. And so, you know, there was growth. There was mental growth from Mac Jones, but you got to keep moving forward, right? You, you got to keep ahead of everything that defenses are going to throw at you. And if we start getting into, you know, the new offensive philosophy and how there might be some changes, that's another wrinkle and set of variables that are getting introduced in the mind of a young quarterback. Yeah, and this is a, a veteran podcaster right here transitioning perfectly into the next section, which I emailed you before, the new offense, because I, I think it's important to understand with Mac Jones or really any player position group scheme, in order to understand where you are, you need to appreciate where you've come from. So he is this, this high floor prospect who processes well mentally. He carries that over into his rookie season, obviously fades down the stretch. And for me, the downfield passing was my emphasis in the offseason writing about him because you look at him within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. He's one of the 10 most accurate passers there. He makes good decisions. He was fine living in that space. But downfield, and particularly in those last five games when his average depth of target jumped by like a yard and a half, it's not a surprise they go one and four. He plays some of his worst football because it just doesn't suit the strength of his game. He made a couple nice drive throws in that game against Buffalo, but... The the downfield aspect of my focus, at least covering him, has been hijacked a little bit because of the new offense and specifically the movement in this. So before I get into some numbers here, generally, if I had told you in March or April or now here we are in August, how does Mac fit in an offense that from what we can tell now is going to have a McVay-like base, tight splits, outside zone running, boot play action off of that outside zone? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the fit is an interesting one. Um, cause obviously when you think of that offense, you think of mobility at the quarterback position, but you also have to remember that it's an offensive system that, you know, Kyle Shanahan used with Matt Ryan, 
Now, you used it with Jimmy Garoppolo. You used it with Kirk Cousins. Obviously, you know, Sean McVay used it with Jared Goff. Then at times last year with Matthew Stafford. It's an offensive system that many have sort of termed as a quarterback-friendly system because it stresses eye angles on second-level defenders. It stresses their run-pass cues. It allows the quarterback to get a little bit outside of the pocket, move around a bit, and give him some two or three level reads and easy reads and throws to attack half field coverages, you know? And because of those components, it's allowed quarterbacks that I think many Patriots fans hope Matt Jones will be better than, such as Kirk Cousins, such as Jimmy Garoppolo, such as Jared Goff. Um, It's allowed those quarterbacks to make deep playoff runs, make Super Bowl appearances. And last year, even though you know, Matthew Stafford opened up new portions of that Sean McVay playbook. They could go five wide. They could go empty. They could go gun spread, stuff like that. When teams started to figure out what they were doing conceptually with those packages, they went back to some of that last year. You know, they went back to some of that under center boot action stuff. And so, you know, it's a quarterback friendly system. It puts the quarterback in favorable environments to make reads and throws and I think given some of the what we've seen from Mac last year as a rookie, given some of the numbers, albeit in small sample sizes that I know you're going to reference in a second, of him making throws outside the park, and given how well he kind of throws on the move from a mechanical and structural standpoint, it makes sense. Does it, is it, if you were to ask me, you know, what's your ideal offense for Mac Jones, it's probably not my first pick. You know, I think sort of spreading it out a little bit, letting him make quick reads and throws, you know, something similar to, you know, what we've seen at times from Tom Brady, when it's just kind of like, let him go five wide, let him pick defenses apart with his mind, you know, quick game stuff, you know, one step, three step, you know, couple drops from the gun and let him get the ball out quickly and attack in the short areas of the field. I think that's perhaps what we saw last year, right? That's what we saw for Mac whenever they let him go empty. It was exactly that. Right. And so, so this transition, I think he could run it. I think it could work for him. I think it could work in this environment it's just not my first choice. Let's put it that way. Yeah. It, it's an interesting um, kind of tug and pull. I talked about this with Mike Giardi a couple of weeks ago, just the idea of, you know, the offense being suited. I mean, not best for him, but everyone else around him. We'll get into that a little bit later, but just to stick with the, the McVay part, because the real struggles in this, like he can hand the ball off on outside zone, right? Like he can yeah. stand under center and have his receivers be a little bit closer. Those are not problems for Mac Jones. It's really the movement throws right in the boot, like passes. So, these numbers, again, going back to Alabama, because I think you just need to take him, you know, th- those numbers still matter a little bit. Um, and these are courtesy of Doug Farrar, who wrote about this February 2020. Your, your colleague over there, Touchdown Wire, does great work. As a bootleg quarterback, a senior at Alabama, Mac was 12 of 21 for 135 yards. He had three touchdowns, one pick, and he took two sacks. So, again, that's you think about those old play-action fakes on the outside, pull back around, and he's moving making a bootleg when he was just outside of the pocket. So not all of these throws, he was nine of 19 for 99 yards, a touchdown, no picks in two sacks. So those again are tiny, tiny samples, but it speaks to maybe a hesitancy why people would say he doesn't work as well on the move, even as much as we just highlighted his athleticism. Fast forward to last year is a bootleg play action quarterback. So not just bootlegs, but bootlegs off of play action. He had a quarterback rating of 56.3 in a tiny sample for the Patriots. Now, as a bootleg quarterback overall, play action fakes with or without 11 of 22, 85 yards, a touchdown, no picks, and his on target pass rate, courtesy of Sports Info Solutions, was two thirds. So, again, those samples don't get beyond 22 yards. Do those speak to you in any sort of way? I mean, it shows that there's potential here. 
you know, it shows that like even in small sample sizes, like dating back to Alabama, bootlegs moving around a little bit, it shows that there's potential. I mean, the the, the quarterback rated a 56.3, you know, bootleg play action, not great. Um, but it, some of the other numbers say that, look, on target two-thirds of the time, throwing on the move last year. You know, when you're 23 or 49 for 250, a touchdown, an interception, a sack, on target 61.5, moving outside the pocket. It speaks to that athleticism. And it's important to remember sort of the overall philosophy in New England, which is what can he do, right? That's a question they use to evaluate draft prospects, free agents, et cetera, et cetera. Other teams might focus on what they can't do. They're here in New England. It's, it's what can he do? And there has to be something in their mind that Mac can handle this kind of offensive system. Even if, look, you know, the emphasis right now in and around New England seems to be outside zone, wide zone, boot action, all that stuff. It may end up being, you know, a fraction of what they ultimately run. But the fact that even in the small sample sizes, there's numbers you can put to and say, this could work, makes me think that they see something here. Yeah, and you referenced a larger number, which I have here too, just outside the pocket. Anytime he was outside the pocket last year, 23 of 49. So you're talking about completion percentage below 50, 250 yards, a touchdown, a pick, one sack. And he was on target, as you said, 61.5% of the time. To me, that's not great, but outside of the pocket also includes any non-design rollout, yeah. right? Like he gets flushed. He's under pressure. Like that. Yeah. yeah. The, the one question I have about this with you, and this can kind of get more into the mechanical side of this, because we hear how refined max mechanics are, as far as I can tell in the books I've read and the people I've talked to, they're, they're pretty clean, but the, though they're clean, his arm strength and arm talent isn't as strong as you might have any of the quarterbacks you would rank ahead of him who are better currently in the league. And it's hard to see him making that jump, particularly if he's making these throws outside the pocket, because the, the arm talent, the extending plays, the making off platform throws to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, seem to be quarterbacks who can generate enough torque while on the move or only having one foot on the ground. And it seems like a guy who has trouble doing that with both feet on the ground in the pocket that might work against him. Yeah, it, it certainly is going to put stress on, particularly if he's moving to his left, that front left shoulder, right? You know, as a right-handed quarterback, you, if you're rolling to your left, you've got to be extra aware of getting that shoulder turned and pointed to the target because that's how you generate that torque. And torque is the ideal, the, the perfect word for it, Andrew, because, you know, people think on town, it's just the right arm, the right wrist. But really, it's that ability to generate torque through your waist and through your hips, through your shoulders, and get that almost violent. Like, you know, I use the Tiger Woods in his prime, like the violence that he swung a driver with. Like, that's kind of what it's like. Like, you watch guys like Mahomes and Allen and even guy like, guy like Baker Mayfield um, generate such torque in their upper body on throws. And you've got to be able to do that in this kind of offensive system throwing to your left, rolling to your left, moving to your right, throwing to your right. And if you want, like pull up Baker Mayfield in 2020 in Kevin Stefanski's offense, because he was doing a lot of this stuff too. And you see a quarterback that might not have the natural arm talent of an Allen or a Mahomes, but generating that kind of velocity, because it's going to be what you're asked to do in this system. And so that's another part of it. You're absolutely right. Look, Jones is extremely mechanically sound, like pretty close to teaching tape. I'd say. He but, sounds like a robot, plays like a robot. Yeah, like exactly. He, he but does. on and these kinds him, of throws, kid, yeah, publicly, these kinds of throws, you need that torque, and it's going to have to be something he's hyper aware of. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because you hit on before, you know, if you were to create an offense for him, it wouldn't look like kind of a McVay base. You know, it might be second, might be third, somewhere in there. And I, I've kind of gone back and forth in this because 
when we've discussed the offense, and of course I throw myself in this media conversation, I think it's gotten a little muddied, whether this is a new offense, whether this is streamlined as Belichick described it or not. And part of that isn't the Patriots, how they themselves describe it. We just relate to everybody else. My understanding of what this offense is, is they've streamlined their run concepts. So they're running fewer of them. It's going to be a lot of outside zone, inside zone. The reads for the receivers are fewer and they've relabeled some of their pass concepts. So the, the traditional like third down passing game, I don't think they've tossed that out the window or sent it to Vegas with Josh McDaniels and said, we don't need this anymore. I think what they've done is said early downs, we want everything to look similar. That's the simplified streamline part. So it's going to be an outside zone handoff or a bootleg off of that. And then we'll keep the third down stuff, which sounds like a good marriage of what you were describing. The short spread shotgun throws, which is going to say constant on second and third down, but the early stuff may not be the case. I'm not sold yet, mainly because what we've seen has been so bad on that being possible. But theoretically, in the abstract, does that sound like an ideal offense for him in this situation? And if not, what would you change? No, I, I think that sounds like an, a really reasonable and almost ideal offense for Mac Jones for this Patriots team. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier, you know, Dante Skarnecchia, you know, sat down with Karen, a fantastic, fantastic piece. And as he pointed out, like, look, outside zone isn't something new for the New England Patriots. I mean, I've got their 16 playbook in front of me, man, and there's outside zone all over this stuff. I think what the right word that we might want to start using is emphasis, right? There's going to be an emphasis on outside zone and on wide zone. And you're right in that their run game was one of the more diverse around the league. Like for a lot of teams, it's we're, we're zone team. We're outside zone. We're inside zone. We're, you know, wide zone. We might do some split zone, stuff like that. You know, we're midline, things like that. Mm-hmm. They've got everything. Gap, power, counter, misdirection, whams, jet sweeps, fly sweeps, outside zone, inside zone. It's a very diverse run game. Streamlining that is, I think, the first part of this process, right? It's going to be more of an emphasis on the outside zone, wide zone, and then the stuff that comes in off of that. Like Skarnicki has said, look, you're not running boot action with Tom Brady. Like, that's not Tom. Like, it never was Tom. And the one time they tried it, apparently he got strip sacked. And I want to find that clip, but <laughs> it's not something you're going to do with him. Mac Jones has shown a little bit more athleticism, you know, maybe not stellar numbers on the move, but enough to make New England think, to make this coaching staff think we can use that in spots. You know, if we've got teams guessing on first and second downs and early downs, you know, is it zone, re- is it outside zone, wide zone, or is it boot action off of that? That's going to be enough for us. When we get into third down, like you said, look, we can, it'll be more like we saw last year, like we saw even during the Brady era, you know, maybe spread it out a little bit. But having that sort of foundational tenet of outside zone, wide zone boot action makes a great deal of sense. Hey guys, just a quick break to remind you that Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager in all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and line. I know you've got a lot of different options out there, but stick with betonline.ag. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf with the futures. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. So head on to Bet Online today or use your phone or iPad or whatever you have just to join today and make your first bet with the promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 for a 50%, 50 whole percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Yeah. And again, it's not only just um, 
you know, fewer in terms of the concepts, which of course come packaged with all the, your different rules and your adjustments for all those different individual plays that you, and concepts you just described. But the rules for outside zone are simpler, generally, you know, depending on the front, if you're running power, counter, or when, whatever it might be. So you still have to rep it numerous times, though, because it might be simpler, but it's not necessarily easier. Right. Um, the part about this has got me, and this is kind of a bigger philosophical question than I emailed to you, and I, I think about it this way, is, you know, the, the scheme changes for the offensive line seem to make sense. Again, Michael Wenning might be an outlier, but for this offensive line from Isaiah Wynn, Cole Strange, David Andrews, pretty seamless fit in the outside zone run. Damian Harris, reminder Stevenson, one cut, put your shoulder down, mow you over, and go. Tighter splits for a receiving group that can't really separate against being covered and saw more of it last year than anybody. That makes sense because they can create traffic yep. and create space for each other. But if for whatever reason, this doesn't suit Mac Jones, or you see the struggles in year one of this type of offense, like you saw from Matt Ryan, you described with Kyle Shanahan before, and it might make sense in the bigger picture, but all of those benefits are there. And then Mac Jones is still struggling with down here on first and second down. Is it possible for that big picture shift to still be a net positive? If it doesn't help the quarterback, but it sounds like it almost helps everybody else. You know, I think in a way it, 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 that is possible when you remember the quarterback, as important as that player is, is one of 11. I mean, when, when you're talking about a system that is going to be, a, like you said, sort of a seamless transition for five guys up front, when you're talking about a receiver room that from all indications, and, and you've seen this with your own eyes, is sort of struggling to separate tight splits, bunches, create traffic, create some rubs, manufacture some separations early in the down, thanks to those formations and what it causes the defense to do. That's a positive for the receiver room. And while this offensive system may not be the ideal for Mac Jones, if you're putting everybody else around him in a position to be successful, in a position to get separation, in a position to execute their blocks, eventually there's some trickle-down success that's going to come into his lap. Right. You know, and I think that's the sort of way to look at it. I, I'm always I've always been of the mindset that, like, you know, you put your quarterback in the position to be successful. If you got a young quarterback, and you draft him in the first round, you talk to his college coach, you talk to his high school coach, you talk to his Pop Warner coach. Like, look, what did this you kid talk like to his mom? Come nine on. years old? Yeah, talk to <laughs> his mom. To when he came home for practice, what did he say his favorite play was? Like, that's when you get in there. So I'm firmly of the mindset generally that like, yeah, you put your young quarterback in the ideal environment. But if that comes at the expense of the other 10 on the field, you might want to rethink it a bit. And maybe that's the, you know, what's at work here. Yeah, it's really interesting, too, because I think, you know, and I mentioned this, the, the downfield passing game, this type of play action boot game is going to extend downfield. Like you're not taking all that time to fake to one edge and then have your quarterback circle all the way back for, you know, a little dump for off. Five right flat. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, flat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think that would help him in one way. The other part of the, the offense that I saw back in January and February that could accentuate some of his strengths, which we talked about, the process is really well super accurate within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage has a quick release is to introduce some, some more RPOs. And I can't say what I've seen here at camp. I'll just say there's been probably less of that reported than all the other stuff that we've seen. And I think that would go into the early down, get you ahead of schedule also help against some of the separation issues. And you're saying put players in conflict. And that's, that's where I struggle because you don't want to have something go so poorly in first and second down that you're just going to end up on third down anyway, where he's spread and then he feels more comfortable. Just do more of that. And of course, there's a balance. You can't go spread all the time. Like the Rams even struggled in empty last year. But I just, I wonder if there's a balance to be struck because you can't just be under center the whole time. And it'll be the outside zone or outside zone boot play action. And then when he's in gun, you can firmly count on that being some sort of RPO or quick game concept. Like, do you, do you think if not what I described before is possible, which sounds like it is that maybe what I'm describing now mixed with that 
could be a possibility. Yeah, you know, when they drafted Mac, I, I thought that you were going to have to see at some point more RPOs, and it's going to be a little bit different. Like what was you know I wrote about this when Mac was at Alabama, a lot of what they did off of RPO was attack downfield. You know, you the typical RPO that people have in their mind is you're reading the linebacker, you're throwing a slant if he crashes downhill, you're handing it off if he stays under the slant. But teams have started incorporating second, even third level RPO reads where you're you're keying a safety. And if you see him move, you're throwing that band A post route over his head. Or yeah. it's basically an extension of a shot play off of play action, you know, where you're making a box count at the snap. And if you've got numbers you know, in the box, you're going to throw downfield. It's something that he did a ton of, that Mac did a ton of at Alabama. And, you know, when they drafted him, you know, I wrote this, other people wrote this, that we expected a lot on the RPO game. And they didn't really do that. You know, McDaniels has said for Josh McDaniels said for years, that like RPOs really weren't what they did. But when you also look at what Jones did at Alabama, when he threw off play action, I think he had like 1,798 intended air yards when he threw downfield off the of play action, which was six most in college football that year. Like he was willing to attack downfield, particularly off of play action. So if you start thinking, okay, you work in some RPO elements, you work in some of these third level RPO elements where you're not looking to throw that slant route. You're looking to throw that post route. You're looking to attack downfield. Jones is comfortable working downfield off of whether it's RPO action or play action action. That's a way to sort of unlock some of that vertical pass and stuff we're talking about, stress defenses downfield, maybe get some light boxes, then you can attack in the outside zone, wide zone game. So there's a lot that they can do that they just didn't do last year or haven't done as much as those of us would like to see them do. Yeah, and it's funny because you get so excited about all this possibility, new offensive coordinator, change system. The system's been in place for 22 years. And then you get to their base stuff, the new base stuff, and it's gone so terribly that you can't get to, you know, two, 300, 400 level offense right. of new concepts if you just can't get down your wide zone. And that that's kind of what's happening. But let's skip ahead anyway, because I remember writing when they drafted Mac that I thought that was the Patriots commitment to kind of winning their way. We're going to win with the McDaniels offense. We're going to win inside the pocket as much as, you know, Mahomes and Josh Allen and the Jack Wilson go second that year. Like they're known for making these crazy off platform throws and extending plays. I think there's a tremendous amount of value in extending plays, but you still need to, as we just talked about, get the 100 level stuff down. Like, so the, if you can do both the Mahomes, the Herbert, the Allen, you're talking about three of the top five, top six, top eight quarterbacks in the league. The only one in that group who's still kind of pack abound like Mac is happens to be the greatest quarterback of all time. But besides him, I mean, do you think that we've talked about Mac as the floor guy in college and had a really good season last year? Could you still be an elite quarterback if you're still kind of bound to the pocket and not athletic enough with all that torque and that arm talent to crack the elite tier? Yeah, I mean, it's strange, Andrew. Like 12 years ago, the guys like, you know, Allen and Mahomes, Murray, they were the norm. They were the abnormal ones. Like they weren't the norm. You know, the guys thrown from the pocket, like Brady, like Manning, like, you know, Phillip Rivers, like those were the normal kind of quarterbacks. Like those were the ones that like kind of dominated the league. It's really flipped on its head now. Like with the, with the trend towards athleticism with the quarterback position, the need to be able to, create explosive plays inside and outside the pocket you're seeing guys that have that athletic ability become the elites of the game right now herbert and mahomes and allen and you know there's others and murray jackson you know those are the kinds of guys now that have kind of taken over the league a little bit brady is obviously still kicking around at 45 
the other one might be Joe Burrow. I mean, Burrow is athletic, but he's more in that like Brady Mac tier of athlete. Like, you know, you're not using him to run, you know, spread option stuff. You're not using him to run speed option. You're not using him to run like GT counter bash, like the Ravens do with Lamar. Like he can extend and he can escape, but I think he's more in that Brady Mac Jones tier of athleticism. But those guys are the rare ones now. Like those guys are the ones that, you know, you don't see too often. Pretty much when we start thinking about this next draft class, right? Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis. There are guys that can move. Anthony Richardson, there are guys that can move and throw on the move and they're athletic. And that's what the league seems to be looking for right now. You can still win. You can still be an elite quarterback, but the league is trending in a different direction. Yeah, I, I think that's that's totally spot on. And I, I've compared this or made this analogy several times on the podcast, but I'll do it once more now because if you shoot it down, I'll never make it again. Quarterback right. guru, but path interference. But the ability to extend plays to me is, is akin to an elite NBA player late in the shot clock who can create their own offense yeah. last couple minutes of a game. It's third down. Nothing's there. The set play has gone wrong. The route concept did not develop as needed for whatever reason. How can you still gain those yards? Sometimes it's you're creating that offense pre-snap by orchestrating a call and an audible. But even still then, if you have an adjustment to the set defense, things go wrong. What are you going to do? And I think that's where you have a player in Mac who might not be a, you know, top 10, 12 player in the NBA, but that next year, there's something that's keeping you back. And it might be the the extension part of it. Yeah, no, I I think that analogy is pretty much perfect. It's, you know, because there are different ways of sort of creating that good throw, right? And for a guy like Mac, maybe for Burrow, certainly we saw from Brady, it's done pre-snap, right? It's like, I'm going to create the right read and throw here by diagnosing what the defense is doing, reading all my pre-snap indicators and things like that, and breaking it down with my mind. But that doesn't always work. You know, defenses are being coached too. Like you might think, oh, I've got them figured out. But then it's a different safety rotation that takes away where your eyes go initially. Now you've got to create, you know, now you've got to sort of extend, you know, again, sort of similar to getting your your shot off when, you know, the defense is ready for it. And so, you know, it gives guys like Allen and Mahomes more opportunities to create with their athleticism, but it doesn't mean that these guys like Burrow and Mack and Brady and others that are more pocket quarterbacks, Derek Carr um, can't create as well. It's just different. And they have to rely on a lot of the mental side because they can't just rely on the athletic side. Guys like Mahomes and Allen and stuff, they can do both, you know, guys like Carr and the others, they have to do it in a couple of different, different ways. Yeah. It's really interesting too, because I think the league, as much as we, the media got kind of, not not carried away, but swooning over these quarterbacks, right? Like the more highlights you can generate. And we love Patrick Mahomes for, you know, him flicking his wrist as right. he's diving parallel to the ground and making that throw. But you don't get there unless, you know, unless you're making the regular throw enough or you ha- you can launch from the pocket and win there. So I think that's where you can still master the two, 300 levels of quarterbacking. The 400 level stuff is where I think this is just going to be the future of the positions you talked about. Like Tom Brady at some point will not be the greatest quarterback who ever lived, not from an accomplishment standpoint, but if you're talent one, you know, Patrick Mahomes already doing things that Brady never did, particularly at this age, we'll see where it goes. It's longevity is a huge part of that. But I think it's interesting that you can win enough now because Zach Wilson was a guy who the jets themselves, you know, uh, talked about being, he can do things that no other quarterback can. It's like, okay, well, you still need to do the everyday day-to-day stuff. Um, All right. All that said, zeroing back in on Mac, we talked about his past. We talked about his present, the future. There's a lot of uncertainty. (laughs) Offense looks like crap. Your best guess at what Mac looks like in 2022. And I'm going to spring this on you now, two things for fans to look for with him 
that should be bellwethers for how well he's playing, thinks he's doing pre-snap, post-snap, or maybe even extending plays like we just talked about? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, look, I'm still of the mind that we're going to see a year two leap from Mac Jones. Now, my like 99% certainty has come down to maybe 95, given how the offense has been shaky. And you don't like hearing that report, but it is, we're recording this Monday, August 8th. Like there is a lot of football still yet to be practiced before the games are being played for real. And so we need to sort of keep that in mind here. You know, part of what Skarnicki talked about in that piece of Karen was if it's not working, they'll eventually like move away from it. And I know some people kind of push back on that idea, but, you know, I, I think that Skarnecki knows Bill Belichick well enough to realize that, like, if this, if we're having this conversation a month from now on September 8th and the outside zone, this new offensive philosophy is not working, they'll move away from it. Like, they'll, they'll do something. Skar knows Bill better than we do. Yeah, yes, I think that's safe I, to I say. think that's fair yeah. to say, right? And, and so I still expect that year two leap to happen. And I know people will then say, well, what do you want to see from a numbers perspective? What do you want to see touchdowns, interceptions? I want Mac Jones to look like a much better quarterback in week 18 than he did a week one. Like, like that's really what I want to see. And what will you look for, for that, that, that diagnosis of pressure pre and post snap, I think is a huge one for him. And we talked about that a little bit earlier, but when we start seeing examples of him in games, staying ahead of, simulated pressure looks, exotic blitz packages and things like that with his mind. So we don't have the sacks like we saw last year where he's able to confirm that stuff is blocked up and not, and still stay on time in rhythm with the concept. That's going to be a huge one for him. And then I think the downfield stuff, like you've talked about, like you've written about, like if we start seeing, you know, adjusted completion percentages and on target throw percentages and that 20 plus range creeping up to just, you know, the 10, 15, 12 range among NFL quarterbacks, I think that will be a very good sign for him because we know what he can do 20 and in. Like, very good yeah. at that. 10 and in. Elite at that. Like, like the, he's got that part of the playbook, you know, memorized, locked down. He's got that part of playing the position pretty much where it needs to be. It, it's the downfield stuff, whether it comes via scheme, whether it comes just from improved arm talent, the, the adjustments that he's made with his diet and getting a little bit more zip on throws or a combination of all of those things. If they could start stressing defenses downfield, that will be huge for him and huge with his offense. All right. Let me nail you down really quickly in a way that I hate when people do to me. Uh, Mac Jones was 17th or 18th on the athletics quarterback tiers. Mike Sando does this every year. They're great. It's from 50 or plus people inside the league, coaches, scouts, GMs, executives. Is there a chance Mac Jones cracks a top 12 this year by week 18 when you're hoping to see him be much better than he will be on September 11th in Miami? I will say that's extremely hard because here's like your top 12, right? And you can put them in whatever order you want. You've got Mahomes, Brady, Rogers, Allen, um, Herbert, Burrow, Jackson, Murray, Dak, Russell Wilson, Stafford, Derek Carr. That's 12 right there. Yeah. Who are you putting them ahead of? Like, I, even if he's yeah. at an elite level, you know, maybe he sneaks into 12 and you bump car out. Like that's kind of you know, cars like 12th in my mind. Could he get there? Yeah. I, I think it's far more reasonable to expect him and to hope that he gets to say like 13, 14, right? Mm -hmm. Like get ahead of cousins, you know, get ahead of some of the other guys that are Matt sort of Ryan, 14, in Indianapolis. 15, Ryan, yeah. you know, get ahead of those guys. And then you start knocking on the door of that, you know, top one and two tiers. Because right now he's like in that the middle to bottom half of like tier three, right? 
Yeah, yeah. And Sandoz tiers, which again, like you said, it's fantastic. Get them to the top of tier three or the bottom of tier two, which is that sort of like 12 to 14 range. I think that would be pretty reasonable. Cool. All right. We got to run through mailbag quickly. We got four questions uh, burning the midnight oil here at Gillette, along with some other folks who are cleaning. So here we go. Uh, question number one, and you'll know it, of course, if you asked it, because this is your question. Last year's lack of a real dep- uh, deep threat allowed opponents to drop an extra safety into the middle. Does Tyquan Thornton's continued development and deep speed make him top four? I guess it's among receivers and result in a trade or release of Nelson Aguilar despite a good camp. I think if Nelson Aguilar is on par with Tyquan Thornton, absolutely, that's a possibility. But I got to tell you, as trade market, as someone who's on the books for $14, 50000000 right now for the Patriots, uh, they would take $10 million of dead money and free up $5 million in cap space. It's not great. So I think you're looking at an outright release. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. It'd be fantastic if Thornton could be that sort of deep presence because, again, when you start forcing teams to keep that second safety deep, it opens up a lot of stuff that you want to do, particularly off the RPO and play action stuff we talked about. So if Thornton can do that, great. The Aguilar piece, like you said, the numbers are going to make it tough. And like you, it might point to that sort of outright release situation. It'll also open up the middle of the field, right? You know, yeah. middle of the field closes one safety, two safeties deep, middle of the field yeah. open. Um, all right. Have the Patriots offensive struggles been mainly on Mac or is it because of the new system or a mix of things? Answer to this is always a mix of things. That's true in the media. You're nodding your head. Yes. Okay. Yeah. On to the next. <laughs> uh, what can they do from a coaching standpoint, scheme players to clean up what sounds like a serious mess on offense? Um, it sounds like there are hints. The line struggled in the old gap scheme today. Is that what you saw? Thanks. Uh, I think you just got to keep repping what you have. I mean, you can, yeah. you can switch, but there's an element of, switching too early out of things that are giving you trouble now. And then you're not going to be good at anything because you're already behind. Like you need to give this sufficient time. The timing of that, of course, is the question in my mind. It's another couple of weeks. Cause then you get at least two preseason games and then you get joint practices and then you'll go to Vegas against the team that knows it really, really well. So that'll be a test of, you know, not only just your players, but the schemes that you've been wearing the new and the old stuff. Uh, Cause at least then also end of August openers on September 11th, you have to have a week or two before then to know definitively this is what we're going to run down in my – you can't spring that week of with a whole new scene. Yeah, yeah. You've got to give this more time. Again, it, and I will say this, having been around many training camps, many teams, many preseasons, offenses tend to lag. Like in my yeah. experience, like defenses have things ironed out earlier. Offenses take a little bit more time because you've got timing down. You've got to get, you know, chemistry down with receivers and quarterbacks. You've got to get, you know, the blockers have to get field. They have to build that cohesion up front, particularly in outside zone, wide zone stuff. Like there's a lot of calls that have to go into it. There's a lot of exchanges that have to go into it after the snap when you're passing guys off and executing combo blocks. We got to give this more time. I know everybody wants to hit the panic button now here in early August, Give it till mid-August, okay? Yeah, then yeah. we can start thinking about panic. Give it a preseason game or two, some some joint practices or two, you know? Yeah, and I think there's enough. We talk about a streamlined, simplified offense. There's still enough there, diversity, where you've got some other options to go to, okay? Yeah. You, you can run some of the old stuff because virtually all your offense alignment are back. Cole Strange is a guy who, again, was billed as kind of pro-ready. Uh, you, you got some options. It's just, unfortunately, going to take some time. Last question. Uh, this is, I know this one's from Jake on Twitter. Uh, how long do you think Bill has before he loses the locker room? Talking about talk radio panic button. And if push comes to shovel, he choose the players wants over the wants of his quote coaching cabal. I'm not going to touch the last part of that because I think it's, 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 it's way too far, but I think, look, he has his finger on the pulse of the players buy-in because what keeps them following what is, is largely a, a, a pl- program that is a lot more disciplined and is a lot more strict and sometimes punishing, particularly with the running. These are not my impressions. They're impressions of players who started elsewhere and came here and said, yeah, it's a lot more strict, but that routine gives me focus. 
he knows that they sustain all that running and all the early meetings and all the extra whatever because they bought into what he's selling. If the buy-in stops, so will that extra effort. So will the sprint. So will showing up early to meetings and putting in extra film work. So he's going to be very aware of whether they feel this scheme doesn't work. And there's an open conversation, as Mac Jones put it. I think he will know before it gets even close to looming in the locker room because he's still Bill Belichick, eight-time Super Bowl champion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been around enough locker rooms to know what things when the conversation has turned, when the worm has turned, and when guys are starting to sort of get away. I mean, we our minds all sort of flash back to that Monday night, New Orleans years ago when he and Brady were on the sidelines. Like, I just, I, I can't yeah. get through to these guys. Like he's got his finger, you know, on the pulse of that locker room. And so he know he will know if it's not working to go into a different direction. Like he, this isn't his first rodeo. Yeah. I, I would just say, turn off the talk radio for a little bit. And like you said, wait until mid August, yeah. watch, have a beer or a couple on Thursday night against the giants. Uh, you, do you have a beer when you're watching ball? Do you have one? I, I love myself, especially like training camp, preseason games. Like, yeah, you know, it's still summer. We're still sort of in vacation mode. Like once yeah. we get into the regular season, like, you know, you're, you're, you're doing the work, you're getting ready for shows, you're making notes and things like, yeah, no, not on NFL regular season Sundays, but <laughs> training camp. Absolutely. Plus I'm driving to Hilton Head Friday morning. So oh, nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably have a, a, a pre-drive beer. Let's put it that way. My man. All right. Well, I love it. If the offense keeps looking like this, I'll tell you, we're going to have you back. We'll probably have beers together. I've had beers alone on this podcast. Absolutely, my friend. I need need someone to drink with. Mark, this was fantastic. I appreciate your insights into Mac Jones, the offense as a whole, what could come next, and uh, losing locker room. Anything you want to plug really quick before we go? Uh, Just USA Today Touchdown Wire at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Andrew, man, can't wait to do this again, and can't wait to do it at Indy again uh, come the winter. Yeah, definitely, man. There will be beers in India. We know for that. Say hi to Doug Doug Farrar and Mark Schofield do outstanding work for Touchdown Wire. They got new stuff virtually every single day. Thanks, Mark. Thank you.